Everything you need is already inside of you. The world would not be what it is without you. When we begin to create change within us, we begin to create change in the world around us. Your journey to becoming your best self as the whole person starts right now. Welcome to the Rise Up For You podcast. I am your host, Leanne DeSanto, and we are honored to have you with us today. Now, today's guest is internationally recognized, award-winning sexologist and best-selling author, Jaya. And she's the creator of the Erotic Blueprint Breakthrough. Now, through more than 20 years of client observation and clinical research, she discovered a map of arousal that reveals your specific erotic language of arousal, a revolutionary framework to create deeper connection and sexual satisfaction. We had an absolutely amazing conversation and it's about love and connectedness and aliveness as well as sex. Jaya is the author of four books, including the best-selling Red Hot Touch and Cuffed, Tied, and Satisfied. And she believes that sex isn't just something we do. Sex is essential to our health, our vitality, and vibrant aliveness. And Jaya's mission is to help people like you claim your desires and gain access to your erotic ecstasy. It is my pleasure to introduce to you Jaya. Well, hello, Jaya, and welcome to the Rise Up For You podcast. Such a pleasure. Yay, Yay. I love it. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I'm so excited for our conversation today. So let's dive right in. We always like to start by having our guests share with our audience who you are, what you do, and the journey that got you here today. Big question. (laughs) (laughs) So my name is Jaya, and I am actually a sexologist. So what I do is I help people... I like to say that I don't just teach sexuality, I teach aliveness Hmm. and how to really learn love. And it's much bigger than sex. Sex isn't just some act that we do. It's who we are fundamentally. It's why we're here. It's a product of humanity is a product of sexuality. And so I love to just shift this frame on sexuality as something that's much bigger something that is a part of who we are, a part of our aliveness, a part of humanity that is vital because we none of us would be here if it weren't for sex and sexuality. So yeah, my wow. passion in life has been about relationships, love, sexuality, and underneath that, the core essence of who we are as human beings and what it means to really be alive. Wow. Aliveness. I love that. That is so terrific. You're right, because people are already going to hear this and have some bias or have some like, what's this all about? Right. So, um, well, let me start with how did you start? Like what started your interest in really diving deeper into sexuality and human relationships and and what you're teaching on now? It's really interesting because, you know, some people are like really good with numbers or really good with music or really good with drums. I had curiosity in this area from a very, very early age. I remember telling, I saw Dr. Ruth. uh, I don't know if any of you know who Dr. (laughs) Ruth is, but he's still around, still doing amazing things, teaching sexuality. And I saw her and I was like, that's what I want to do. So I told my parents I wanted to go into fertility medicine because Mm -hmm. it had to do with sexuality. But of course, secretly, I really just wanted to help people have great relationships and sex lives and really full potential like what is our full potential i got very into human growth um 
very early, you know, uh, I came from a background with a lot of trauma Mm. and a very rough childhood. And I very early on wanted to know what was possible and how to heal. And I remember at the age of 19, getting into things like energy work and wanting to understand human psychology. And so, so it was just this unfolding, but, but sexuality was like my route that I was always super passionate about, always super curious about and, and gifted in. I had a way of being where I felt so comfortable about it. The people, being a teenager, all my friends would come to me to <laughs> ask questions or, or cause they felt safe. They felt mm. like they weren't going to be judged. They felt like they would get an honest conversation. And I also had the knowledge because I was a book geek. So I was reading, you know, every book I could get my hands on from the library around human sexuality so that I could understand my body better understand. And here's an interesting just tidbit. There was a book, it's called dilemmas of desire. And they did a study with young women and their sexuality. Mm-hmm. And for the majority of women, it, for these young women in high school, sex was just something that happened. It was right. something that just happened out of the hundred girls that they interviewed. Only two of them actually took sexuality in their own hands, educated themselves, went to the doctor, found out what, what is this thing said, this is what I want to do. Here's how I want to do it. Mm. And, and so to me, that was a really sad to read that book because I was one of those two. I was one of the one who had all the books <laughs> and like knew what I wanted to do. And, and it was all like my plan. It wasn't something that just happened the first nice. time that I had sex. So I just became even more passionate when I read some of those statistics of like, I gotta, I've got to help people so that they become empowered to have their voice and know what's happening in their body and know what their anatomy does and know why sex is important. So it's not just something that just happens. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Tons of questions are coming up right now. (laughs) So one in particular, I had interesting, I have a daughter who's 15 and an interesting conversation with another mom actually a couple years back now and she was saying that she didn't want the first time for her daughter to be in the back of a car right or in the bushes or you know some two second thing right and and so she was like I want her to feel empowered and prepared and um you know, and I don't know if it was like, I'm going to get her the hotel room kind of thing. Cause we were going back and forth. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. You know, it's like, so how do you feel about that? How do you feel about that for, you know, as a mom, um, creating that first experience for our daughters and sons really, right. To be, uh, one that's empowered, one that's beautiful, not just what typically happens. Yeah, we teach our kids about, this is a really great question. We teach our kids about sex from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. We teach them by the way we call our body parts. Mm -hmm. We teach them, you know, like, is it the the down there? (laughs) Is it the, you know, the the sort of like don't touch? Just the way that we are in our own bodies and our own beings around sexuality Mm -hmm. is what we're teaching our children. So if we have our own shame, Mm -hmm. then that comes up. Um, and the, the names that we call things, that tells, this is a nose. <laughs> just another part of the body. So right, right. Like, uh, and then we get red in the face or like whatever starts to happen in our own systems with, when we're teaching our children these things. Yeah. And, then, and then the other piece that I think is really big that a lot of people, that young children get very quickly is consent. Hmm. We 
override children's natural no oftentimes. And I think the best thing that parents can teach their children is consent and that their body is their own body. And to, yeah. to say, you know, you don't have to hug grandma. Instead, what a lot of us got was, oh, it's grandma. You need to hug grandma. You need to let grandma kiss you. And right away now we're teaching us to, to override a no in our mm, body. Yeah. And, and so just easy things like that of saying your body is your body. You have a right to say no if you don't want to hug. If you don't want to give grandma a kiss, if you, you know, like all of those things so that your, your children get that they have agency over their mm, own body. No yeah. one else has agency. So that's the number one thing is if you have daughters who are coming of age or sons who are coming at any, any gender coming of age into their sexuality, the number one thing I think that we can teach them is consent mm. is that they're strong. No, to find their strong. Yes. Yeah, that, that, that they're going into their first sexual experience with a very strong, yes, I want to do this. Yes, I'm informed. There's also a great website. It's called scarletteen.com, scarletteen.com. I think this is a great resource to give to your teenagers because it gives them things like, are you prepared emotionally to have sex? Here's what this may mean. Here's what this may be like. You may get attached. You Are you in love? So are you ready? emotionally yeah. it starts asking questions are you ready financially here's what it takes yeah. you, know, you need to have contraception you need like so it starts to educate them on, on are you really ready and what we see is children who are educated wait longer to have sex mm. it's the opposite of what we've had in our in our culture in the u.s sex ed doesn't even have to be medically accurate in most states mm. they don't focus at all on what feels good it's Crazy. mostly focused on here's some anatomy and oftentimes it's not even correct right so get incorrect information and there's no real conversation around are you ready mm. and when that education when comprehensive education combined with this conversation of here's what sex is about and are you ready for these things are you ready for these consequences are you then they children will tend to wait nice. now let's say your daughter does come to you getting back to your question this is a long way of answering <laughs> this. I'm about this this is something i'm so passionate about totally education in our culture <sighs> I know. And, and so letting them come up with their own, I wouldn't as a parent go in and go, here's like, I've set it all up for you. That can be embarrassing right. and awkward totally. for, for your, but having the conversation of I'm here for you, having the conversation of let me know what you may need in making this decision or this choice. You know, I want you to know that I'm, you know, I don't want you to have the experience in the backseat of a car or, you know, like that. I want this to be a beautiful experience for you. Let right. them know where you're coming from. And what can I do to assist that? If that is, if they do say, you know, hey, we'd love a space or that, that kind to provide that, then great. But pushing it on them or you making your own agenda because you didn't get your own sexuality, right. you know, as a beautiful first experience, that can get awkward. And then teenagers can want to run away from that experience as totally. opposed to closer but if you make yourself available that's a great way to begin that yeah perfect yeah that's that's kind of what I've done is open the conversation she's not really you know it's still awkward and weird for her I know that but you know and in talking with this mom like I said it was like this 
you know, you're torn. You're like, what? You know, and I told some of my friends about that. I'm like, are you crazy? I'm like, no, no, I'm not saying that's what I'm doing. I'm just saying that it's an interesting conversation, right? As, as parents or, you know, whether it's with our kids or with ourselves, you know, as we go through just growing up, right? Through our 20s and, you know, into serious relationships and marriage. And because it, you know, the question never really ends, I don't think, right? I mean, it's just who you're with and how you feel in different phases of your life. So, yeah, so it's just, it just is interesting. So and I one of the things that. that I hear most often from people like, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, is just, gosh, I wish someone would have just told me this when I was in my teens or 20s. You know, I yeah. just wish I would have had the access to this information then. Right, right. Because now there's so much misinformation, right? I mean, back in my day, it was like, if you saw a Playboy, that was like, oh my God, that's Playboy or whatever, you know? And now it's just everywhere. It's just everywhere. So the kids just at such a young age get exposed, you know, to to all kinds of messages, right? All kinds of messages from, you know, the, the shake the booty to no weight and abstinence to, you know, and it, I mean, they're hormones. Yeah, there's like so much, so much out there for them. That's so confusing, I think. So I think that's super, you know, super important. But I also want to um, talk a little bit about this erotic blueprint. So yeah. there are five different blueprints. Mm -hmm. So this came from my work with lots of people over time around how are we turned on? What really pleases us? Who mm -hmm. are we as erotic beings? And me wanting to answer some of these questions. Because I think we live in a culture that has, you know, if we look at advertisement, you know, sex sells, yeah. we, we look at a culture that has a certain frame of what is sexy, a certain body type, a certain image, a certain way that and we even mix violence with sexuality. You see a billboard with like a sexy woman and a gun, yeah. you know, advertising. <laughs> right, totally. We have like these very mixed messages around sex and who we are. And we live in a culture that's one of these blueprints, which is the sexual blueprint. And so if you don't fit in that box, you think something's wrong with you and you're not normal. Mm. Another big question I get is, am I normal? Mm. I must be broken. Something must be wrong with me because I'm not having the mind-blowing orgasm I read about in that magazine. <laughs> right. or my husband did an X, Y, Z when I did the Q, Y, F, R, <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> so, right. you know, it, it's, we live in a culture that makes us feel like we're not enough. Yeah. that we're broken, that if I'm, if I don't look this way, if I don't fit this mold, then it's not inclusive. And so the blueprints are a map and a language to help you understand who you are and how you're wired erotically and to let you know that you aren't broken. If anybody walks away with any message today, I want the message that when it comes to sexuality, you are not broken and you are normal, mm -hmm. just the way that you are. So the first blueprint is the energetic. Mm -hmm. And I want to back up here just a little bit because my partner and I really struggled just to share a little personal story here. Um, after the birth of my son, I had a pelvic floor injury and luckily was able to heal that injury. But once that injury healed, we were still having a major disconnect. Mm. And I would come to bed and I would initiate sexually and then he would say no and I would roll over and cry myself to sleep at night because I was incongruent with who I am and my work in the world and like what is this I can't get my own partner to have I've written the books and I can't and I tried striptease class and I'm like I'm trying all these things and I just he just wasn't turned on mm. and I think it's something we don't talk about a lot is like men not feeling libido, 
you yeah. know, not having libido and not feeling right. turned on. And it was the birth of our son, his business crash, like all this stuff was yeah. happening. He was really under a lot of stress and not sleeping. And, and then he'd initiate sex by cuddling with me. I would always do it verbally by saying, let's have sex and mm. sometimes touching him in a certain way. And so then he would cuddle with me and I would not get the message. I would uh, think, oh God, he's cuddling. I guess we're going to sleep. <laughs> you know, right, but, yeah. He'd roll over, I'd roll over. We went through a really rough period of pretty much a sexless relationship. And I'm the sex, like I was the <laughs> sex goddess. And here I am like a new mom, freaked out. He's not having sex. Like what's going on? Sure. <laughs> blueprints gave us a language to understand each other's sexuality because i was approaching him from my primary blueprint he was approaching me from his blueprint and we were mixing each other it was like he was speaking french and i was speaking english and Mm. we just couldn't understand each other and this was knowing all the sex techniques you know you think oh i'm gonna learn know all these sex techniques that's gonna create it it wasn't that it wasn't that it's emotional we were Yeah, yeah totally so back to the blueprints, the energetic, the first one is someone who's turned on by space, tease, and anticipation. Hmm. You're turned on more by the space between than the space, like lots of you know, closeness. So it's more about, oh, it's about to happen. Or, oh, I can feel you more when you're over there than I can feel you all on hmm. top of me. It's too much information. Hmm. So the superpower of the energetic is they can become orgasmic, like their whole system is orgasmic. It's like the wind blows or like something beautiful happens. And that is the ecstasy. It's bliss in in their highest potential. Now, when I talk about the superpowers, it's not to negate anybody who's not having these. This is just what's possible. Right. And so the shadow side of the energetic is their system is so sensitive that they will shut down. So if anybody's ever come at your body too much, too quick, too fast, you don't know how to say no because you don't know how to use your voice or you're afraid of hurting the other person if you say no, you'll override your boundaries and then your whole body goes kind of numb or you fly out, you dissociate out of the body um, in order to handle the intensity of all the information coming into the system. Got it. The second one is essential and the sensual is someone who's turned on by all of their senses being ignited. So this is taste, touch, smell. They bring the beauty to the erotic experience. Mm. There's someone who's turned on by closeness. So they want like the slow dance and the feeling of bodies and cuddling and the superpowers that they can have non-genital orgasmic experience. So mm-hmm. they can have body experience as well. Um, and there's more superpowers to each of these. I'm giving cliff notes. Yeah, yeah sure, sure. <laughs> And then the, the shadow side, the biggest shadow I shows up, that shows up with essential is getting caught in the head and not being able to actually be in your body. So you're thinking about the bills or you're thinking about the laundry or thinking about the sock that's on the floor, <laughs> but you're not thinking about what's actually happening in your own body. Got it. The sexual is the one I talked about that our culture is. So this is what we think of when we think of sex. The sexual is turned on by nudity, penetration, orgasm, what we think of as sex. And then when it comes to the superpower, it's zero to 60. Usually this is people with high drive. They're really, or they're easily orgasmic. Um, they have sex in order to relax. Mm. So sexual enters into sex to feel like everything is right in the world. Sex is like food, air, water to them. Mm. Whereas like a sensual, they need to relax first. They need to get out of their head. They need to have like the space all set up and everything all beautiful with the candles and everything like that in order to get into the sexual experience. So where one needs to relax to get sexy, the other one needs the sex 
to relax. To relax. Ah, that makes sense. The, yeah. The shadow of the sexual is a limited definition of sexuality and what's, you know, in our culture, we have this limited definition. Sex equals this. Right. Um, they can also be very selfish and self-focused and that like, what? I'm turned on by this. Something must be wrong with you. <laughs> you know, like you don't fit into my mold and into the cultural mold. So you must be wrong broken. No, none of my other partners complained about this. You know, right. you're having orgasms. It's like pizza. It's all good. <laughs> what more could you want? <laughs> right, right. Um, so I'm primarily, at the time, with my partner and I, I was primarily sexual. I was 42% sexual. We have a quiz that you can take where you can, I'm sure you'll put it in the notes. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, there's a quiz you can take where you can go in and, and we'll give that to everybody and get each percentage of each one of these blueprints. So I was 42% sexual. Okay. My partner, 0% sexual. Mm. He's sexual. And what he was primarily is this next blueprint, but the one right, uh, right close, almost tied with it, was sensual. So he was initiating in the sensual. I would initiate in the sexual. And the sexual, it turned him off. Mm. It was zero. I'm turned off by the sensual. My, my sensual was only 5%. And then his primary, which I'm going to talk about in a moment, it was zero. So you can see where we were completely missing each other. Right, right. So that then the next blueprint is the kinky. I don't know how many of you have read Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> open up this conversation in our culture. My definition of kinky in this blueprint is anything that's taboo for you. So I had a couple that I was coaching 40 years. They had sex in the same position on the same night of the week. Always. So mm. anything outside of that was taboo. it was really really they grew up very religious you know very conservative and and that was like a no-no it was like you only do this one position was what they were told and so they did that the all so everything was like oh we're being so naughty we're being so this idea of what is taboo for you there's two different types of kinkies one is psychological based meaning the mind um, is what the turn on is. So it would be playing with a power dynamic. For example, one of you is in control and says, tells the other one what to do. That could be an example of psychological turn on. Right. Um, another example is the sensation based turn on. And that is somebody who loves impact or the feeling of constriction. Mm-hmm. So my partner, for example, he's primarily kinky. So he was really high on the kinky scale and I was zero on kinky. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even my blueprint model at first because I was so mm-hmm. like not even in my, my lexicon because it wasn't one of my turn-ons. Right. And so, you know, he lo- he's both. He's psychological and sensation-based, but he loves the feeling of being constricted, the feeling of like he can't move and that kind of out of control feeling like that, the sensation of that combined with the psycho- psychological piece just was like, turn on like I'd never seen, you know, here I am trying striptease. All I needed to do was start to play with constriction with his body. And Mm. then I saw turn on like I'd never seen before. And Mm. our, our entire sex life completely changed when I started to learn how to feed him and he started to learn how to feed me. And now we were meeting each other and our sex life went went off. It's so amazing. It's so amazing. (laughs) Terrific. I mean, just every day I'm so grateful. I feel so blessed to have the relationship and love life that I have. Then the final, oh, the shadow side of the kinky is shame, deep Mm. shame. My partner was kinky, I didn't know it. Six and a half years into our relationship. I'm a sexologist, this is what I do for a living. I didn't know that my own partner was wired this way because he had so much shame about his own 
turnoffs. Right. Um, right. Now he's open about it, but you know that back then it was it was a deep, deep place of shame for him. Yeah. Um, superpowers in the kinky years, also unlimited creativity. I could play in that world for the rest of my life and never play with everything. There is a, there's just so much fun taboo stuff. Mm, <laughs> yeah, <like>, totally. <laughs> <laughs> We've made a lot of good taboos. I mean, that's been a good thing about all the shame in our culture around sex is there's a lot of really fun taboos right. which fun turn-ons. Right, right. Uh, then we have the shapeshifter. The shapeshifter, if you've been listening to these and you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm all those. The shapeshifter is someone who has all of these. They can speak fluently all these languages. They're turned on by all of these things. The positive side of the shapeshifter is you have unlimited orgasmic potential. I mean, you can have all these different kinds of experiences right. and go into all of these different realms and spaces. You also are a great lover because you can shift to be anything that shows up. Like if your partner's primarily sensual, you'll shift to be sensual. Now that can also be a shadow because you're always shifting to please the other person. You are usually starving. You're usually doing one or two blueprints in a relationship and not all of them. Mm. So the shapeshifters are the most starving out of all of the blueprints. Interesting. Because they could, you know, they could have intimacy for three, four hours and be like, we're just getting started. Right, <laughs> right. We're starting to, to warm up. Right. Um, and then the, the shapeshifters have often been told they're too much. Somewhere in their history, they've been told, you know, you're too much, you're too big. Why do you need all this? Right. Those kinds of pieces. Yeah. So those right. are the five blueprints. And to me, they've just been a life changer in discovering them and developing them. But then I see couples just all over the world that we've worked with who it's like the aha. We started yeah. this kind of talking about teaching our children about sexuality it's like oh my gosh we have some of our coaches going into high schools now to teach these wow that's and great they're coming out like knowing like oh i'm an energetic i need to set up really good boundaries for myself and say no and have more space or oh oh i'm kinky that's okay it's okay that i like taboo or it's okay that i want to push the edges and there's nothing right. wrong with me because i like those things right right wow yeah those that's great that's a great distinctions and i can see where now do you feel that sometimes people um i know you said that we all have maybe a little of all of them or you know maybe one super dominant but um different times of your life, like as you're moving into, you know, menopause or, you know, phases of your life, maybe when things are slowing down or, you know, do, do people switch or still pretty much the primary tends to be the primary. So when you first get in a relationship, everybody kind of goes sexual blueprinted. It's like, everything's hot. The biochemistry is there <laughs> right. you know, for the most part for a lot of people. And then they'll go, well, I don't know what happened. Mm. So biochemistry starts to shift within the relationship six months to 18 months in and you'll go into your default. So whatever your default is, you know, if you're primarily energetic, you'll move back into more, much more energetic. And then not, we're not conscious of this. So we don't know like what happened? Where did my libido go? It's because you're not being fed in the blueprint. Also big life changes. So when my son, I was very energetic, sensual, but for some reason, when my son was born, I went really sexual. Mm. Like, come on, let's just get it let's over Let's just with. get it done. <laughs> right. <laughs> I would walk into my partner and go, chop, chop. <laughs> chop, chop, yeah, yeah. Come on. <laughs> right, um, right. And he, of course, he's more sensual, so he needs to relax and get in the space. And right. that didn't work for him. So the life change, menopause, for sure. I see a lot of people go more energetic, mm -hmm. much more sensual. But like then, like I saw my mom. My mom went totally sexual during 
menopause. Right. Like it was like the last hurrah or something. And she was just like, oh, yeah. so, so um, sometimes that shifts, that changes as you go, your blueprint will shift and change, but you can also consciously change it. So this dynamic for my partner and I wasn't working with my high sexual always, I would count like, Oh gosh, it's been 15 hours since we've had sex. Oh my gosh, three days have gone by and I'm getting grouchier and grouchier, you know, with that blueprint. It just wasn't working. Mm. But my partner was so willing. He was like, let me expand into the sexual. And I was like, let me, we're so beautiful in that way. Let me expand into the sensual more. Let me learn. So we were both so willing. And I think this is key for any of you who are listening to this. If you're both willing to learn, This is not like I'm wired this way. We're different. We're incompatible. It's not, that's not what I'm saying here. What I'm saying here is these are like languages that you learn. They're skills that you learn. And so if you're willing, just like if you fell in love with somebody who speaks a different language than you, if you're willing to learn their language, then you, there is like so much that you can do to find these places. And so what we do now, once you know the blueprints is you get them fed, you work on then speaking, learning how to speak them healing the shadow parts because the shadow parts put the brakes doesn't matter how much you put on the accelerator the shadow parts are going to put the brake on it right. on arousal and pleasure and then the final piece is expanding into new blueprint territory so my partner now is a shapeshifter and i expanded into kinky first and then sensual it took me sensual was very vulnerable i had a lot of deep trauma to heal and in moving into that one mm-hmm. and then and then from there i'm i'm now moving into shapeshifter just now and this has been a five-year process wow nice so just to know that this to give yourselves this is a journey a right. journey into all of this right and what i'm hearing most is just to be to be open, right? Just to like your intuition and to be just open. And like, like you said, we're, we're given so many rules and, and there's so much shame put upon it, especially in this country, you know, in the United States. And it's like, no, just, just being open, just being open to learning and to working together towards it, right? To, to being together and, and to willing to explore, willing to explore. Yeah. Open to all of the possibilities. Right. what we know, what most people have experienced erotically is like this. Right. And oh my gosh, I think it's infinite. One of my main, my main inquiries has been how, what more is erotically possible? I got this from Joseph Kramer, he's one of my mentors. What more is erotically possible? I'm asking myself this question. Oh my gosh, I just experienced a hundred orgasms in the last hour. <laughs> what more is erotically possible? It's a true story, you know, oh and I God. never Found, it's like this infinite field of orgasmic possibilities yeah we, what we've tapped into is so small compared to what these instruments our bodies our energy fields what we can actually do on so many levels and then the, the biochemistry that ships with that the connection with your partner that comes along with that nice. there's just so much and, and we haven't even tapped into what's possible i think in human potential i feel like roger bannister of uh of sex sometimes like I'm making new strides new things all the time and I'm like okay you can do it too I did it right four minute mile I did it yeah (laughs) totally totally I love that I love that and just the whole I mean I know we could talk forever about this and the whole intimacy side right In in a world that we're getting less intimate I don't mean the sex sexuality part but just just looking up from our phones and just being in conversation you know it's so yeah again there's so many overlaps with 
with the sexuality side and, and being and intimate and being open and vulnerable and you know more and more is coming out about that that it's it's vulnerability is really strength right more is coming out about that people are talking about it more which is great so like with all of it it's just being in the conversation right yes yeah and speaking of of potential and what's possible just a quick story here on the money manifestation with sexual energy mm. so i think some of your listeners may be interested in this yeah so i did an experiment because i had read if any of you read think and grow rich you've often missed chapter 11 which is about sex transmutation and mm. i wanted to do an experiment to see if it actually worked mm. so could i utilize sexual sexual energies the idea and and this has actually been shown changes brain waves can bathe the cerebral spinal fluid and a lot of um sexual energy can actually awaken latent genius in the brain it's been measured so to take sexual energy, take it out of the genitals and start to move it through the body and up into the brain starts to create, and you can get pineal gland to drive. I mean, there's so many cool things that start to happen when you start to play with this, this energy. And my background was in Tantra early. I got involved in Tantra early on. And so what I did was an experiment. I was for 90 days, every day I would do sex transmutation with the intention of increasing money. Mm. With just like, and also working with my shame around money because I didn't have sexual shame, but I had money shame. Money, mm-hmm. if I had it, if, if I had it, that was shameful. If I didn't have it, that was shameful. Yeah. And so I really wanted to bust through the shame piece around money. And so I utilized pleasure and I would just imagine, you know, I'd visualize and do all this amazing breath work with it. And um, in 90 days, I tripled my income. Wow. In 90 days, tripled my income. Wow. And it was the, the boosting point to where my business is currently in creating a seven-figure beyond business. But that Fantastic. was the boosting point for that entire thing started right then and there. Wow. Yeah. Okay, chapter 11, everyone. <laughs> we got to go back. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's awesome. Well, wow. So tell us how we can find you and support you. Absolutely. So erotic breakthrough.com is the place to go for the quiz and I'm sure you'll link it somewhere in here yeah I will breakthrough.com and then my website is jaya.love l-o-v-e jaya.love and jaya is spelled j-a-i-y-a dot L-O-V-E, love, giant nice. dot love to go to my website. Love that. Terrific. Awesome. Um, okay. A couple quick power questions to finish off. Um, a book. So I know that you're an author and you've written how many books now? Three? Four. Four. Wow. Congratulations. That's terrific. But is there any one book that has had an impact on you? Oh my gosh. So I'm an avid reader. I read four to five books a week. So this wow. is like one of the most challenging questions ever because <laughs> I've literally thousands and thousands of books. And I'd say in terms of relationship, and this is a book that's out of print. Sometimes you can still find it on like eBay or something <laughs> like that. It's called Mastering Alive Relationships. Mastering and it's by Frank Natalie. Mastering Alive Relationships by Frank Natalie. I have probably read this book 10 times. I've taken it apart. I've highlighted it. I've, you know, like typed out all the things I've highlighted. It was just such an influential book on me early on as I was learning all of this and just in my own relationships. It was something that that was near and dear to me and I recommend it to a lot of people, but it is a hard to find book. Wow. Terrific. Thank you for that. I'll take, I'll try to find that. That sounds great. How about a, um, a quote that you live by? All you need is love. John Lennon. Mm, <laughs> one of my favorites. <laughs> terrific. Terrific. Okay. If you could leave the world with one, 
golden nugget, what would it be? You are love. Mm, beautiful. And as you know, we're rise up for you. So when you hear rise up for you, what does it mean to you? To me, it means uncovering the truth of who you really are and mm. the unlimited potential that you have as a unlimited creator. Mm. It's, it's the, it's the direct knowing it's not me telling you who you are, or it's a direct knowing of who and what you are. And once you realize that it's something you'll, it's, it's the difference between me telling you what an orgasm is and you experiencing an orgasm. Right. You have the direct knowing of who you are. There is nothing like that and it will change your life forever. And mm. so rise up for you means it actually means that you don't have to do anything and that you're rising and remembering with direct knowing who you are. Mm. Well, that is a fabulous way to end. I love that. Thank you so much for being on the Rise Up For You podcast and all your nuggets and wisdom and wow. So I know our, you really served our audience here and um, with a with a topic and a subject that sometimes people just put to the side and you really brought a lot of um, a lot of wisdom and light to it. So thank you, Jaya, so much for being on the Rise Up For You podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us today on the Rise Up For You podcast series. We're here to serve you and inspire you to become your best self so that you can live a life that you are proud of. If you haven't already, head over to our website, riseupforyou.com, and explore through all that we have to offer. Don't forget to subscribe while you're there for exclusive materials sent to you weekly, and also subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and any other major podcast channel. Join us for our next episode, but until we meet again, rise up for you, be better today than yesterday, and prepare for a greater you tomorrow.